importance of a Jewish funeral and the details of the Jewish funeral. And I mentioned this um, earlier to a number of people in the email I sent out, that this is a morbid topic, not a pleasant topic, but it is a very crucial and very important topic. And it is something that must be addressed. And um, I think I've touched on it briefly in another class that we spoke about death in Judaism. But today I really want to focus on the Jewish funeral and the importance of the Jewish grave. Um, Rachel's tomb is our second tomb. We had first Hebron, the cave of the patriarchs. We have Rachel's tomb. And we know our tradition is going back to scripture already that our ancestors went to pray at the grave, graves of their loved ones, um, turning to God at their graves or asking, talking to their loved ones and asking their loved ones, Rachel, to pray or Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob and Leah to pray on our behalf to God. Ask them to intercede on our behalf. So in Judaism, firstly, we see ourselves as a soul and a body. So the I, who am I? I am my soul. What you see is the body. What makes sounds as I talk is the body. But the I, the individual behind it, that's the soul. The one who is thinking, the one who is feeling, the one who makes decisions, the one whom you are addressing when you speak to someone, that is the soul. That is not a physical thing. We, uh, we've tried very hard to find where it is in the brain. It's not in the brain. It's a spiritual thing that God meshes and joins with our body at birth. Now, this soul is a spiritual being, has no physical form to it whatsoever, but it, so to speak, lives in the body during our lifetime. The soul was around before we are born and continues to exist after we die. So we will continue to exist. We were, we will continue to be, we will be conscious after we die as well. We believe we continue to exist, only not in any physical form. So currently, while our soul is in our body, we cannot picture what it's like to be in a non-physical reality. But once our soul leaves our body, we will then be in this spiritual form, continuing um, in this spiritual form. And therefore, we believe that the soul can be aware of what's happening on earth and can be aware of their loved ones. And we can continue to speak to a soul after they have passed on. And they continue to live in their own reality, in their own reality in what we call Gan Eden, Garden of Eden or Heaven, after their life is over. And every one of us will, that will happen to, we continue living an afterlife once, um, or it's really, our life essentially continues in a new address, in a new reality, once um, our lives end, once our lives on this world end. So are we just like in air? We're not in air. Air is a material, physical thing. We are spiritual beings. Now we don't know what spiritual beings look like. We cannot picture, but we have no material form whatsoever. We are not in air. Yes? You said that uh, the soul exists before we're born. Uh, does that mean the souls of those yet to be born? Or? All in existence. That's a very good question. Sort of. Sort of. And I have planned for next year, I forget what date, a class on the Jewish view of reincarnation and where souls come from. Yes. But it's, it's complicated. So we'll, we'll do a class on that. So, so One at a time, yes. Once we die, our soul can go body that's being born? That's for a different class. Sort of. That's for a different class. But in the end, when the Messiah yeah. comes, we go back to which yes. body? That's for a different class. Good question. <laughs> Matika. That's an excellent question. The short answer for now, in an, in an interreligious couple. That's an excellent question. The short answer for now is in Judaism, we, the Jewish soul always follows the mother. If the mother is Jewish, the child will be Jewish. That is the, that is the Jewish answer. Um, more, more discussion for another time. 
So let's, let's focus now on the soul and what happens after we die. So now we also believe, and this is important, we also believe that our soul will come back to earth. In a future time, Moshiach will come, and we have a class coming up in a few weeks about the future times. We believe that Moshiach will come, and in this future times, all those who have lived previously, God will reconstruct their body, and our soul will end up coming back to earth. So death is essentially simply moving address from one place to the next, or a transfer from one reality to another reality. Now, we believe that that transfer, that death, doesn't happen in a moment. It's a process. It's a gradual process for the soul to transfer from it being part of the body to being a spiritual reality. And we believe that the burial process of what we do with the body is part of the soul's process of transferring. In other words, after we die, we, the real I, meaning my soul, doesn't leave the body that housed it for all those years until the body is properly taken care of. And it's very important to our soul that our body is taken care of properly after death. We believe that we, meaning our soul, that's us, our consciousness, is aware of everything happening to us after death. And we are happy to see when the body is treated properly, we're relieved, and when the body is properly taken care of. If it is not, it is extremely painful to the soul that continues to exist after death and continues to be concerned and care for the body until the body is properly held and properly taken care of. Now, our bodies is not us. Our bodies is just the home that we live in during our life. But our body is very, very holy because it houses a soul. The thing that we compare it to is a Torah scroll. The Torah scroll is the holiest thing in Judaism because it houses God's Torah, God's teaching. So it's a holy thing. If a, we never allow a, a, a Torah scroll to treat it with great respect, it's always covered, it's always placed in the ark, we um, are always careful to act respectfully in front of a Torah scroll, um, we always make sure never to destroy a Torah scroll, destroying a Torah scroll is a terrible thing, our enemies... For example, the Nazis would destroy Torah scrolls. They would roll out Torah scrolls as part of their um, part of uh, trying to harm us, humiliate us by destroying Torah scrolls. A Torah scroll gets burned. It's a terrible tragedy if a Torah scroll gets destroyed. I have a question. So, yes. What about cremation? I'm going to get excellent question. So the body is very holy. It houses the soul. So we have to treat the body with a great, the greatest possible respect, even greater than a Torah scroll. More so, the body is given to us by God as a gift. We're not the body, right? The body is given to us as a gift. It's deposited with us, and we're supposed to return it. If someone gives you something to watch after, someone gives you their car, you've got to give it back without any scratches. God gives you your body to look after. You have to give it back whole. That is why during our lifetime we are forbidden from harming our body in any way. We are required to look after our health to ensure that our body, which is, belongs to God, is taken care of. We also have to ensure that even after death, our body is not harmed in any way. Isn't that also because in the end we come back to our body? Yes. Yes. So the Torah tells us, after we die, our body has to, is going to gradually decompose, so we have to take care of it. The Torah tells us that man, the first man, Adam, was made out of dust. So therefore, every, his body, that is, every, and he, a soul was breathed into him by God. Everybody must return to the dust that, made it, that, that it came from. And so the soul returns back to God where it came from. The body must return back to dust. Natural decomposing in the earth is the most respectful way to return it to where it come from. 
comes from. This is true for a body. This is also true for a Torah scroll. If a Torah scroll is worn and can no longer be used, it's no longer usable, if it has mistakes and can no longer be fixed because it's already worn out, we bury the Torah scroll. And we do that for all Jewish books. We bury it. It's the most respectful way to dispose of it. We do the same thing to the body. We bury the body and allow it to decompose naturally. Destroying a body in any way is forbidden, is absolutely forbidden in Judaism. Even, even, if we, even if we lose a limb during our lifetime, or a limb is amputated, we always make sure that limb is buried. We go to Jewish Burial Society, we make sure every limb must be buried. If it's an entire limb, the body is considered holy. Everything must be buried properly. Now, after death, it is very important to make sure that every single part of the body is buried. In fact, there is an organization called Zaka, which is based in Israel, that after um, uh, violent deaths, whether in um, uh, terror attacks or um, uh, bad car accidents, actually go and clean up to make sure that no part, no body parts are left behind. Every body part must be buried properly. Um, and that even includes uh, blood left over and er everything that is left over from the body must be buried properly. So the body must be buried in its entirety and ideally the body, the body should be, as we'll soon see, should be, not, should be left as is and buried exactly as is properly in the ground. Now, burning a body and crushing its bones, or also known as cremation, is absolutely forbidden in Jewish law. It is firstly, dis it goes against a clear commandment in the Torah of returning the body to earth. It is disrespectful to the body that housed us. The body housed us for so many years, we cannot destroy it. It does not allow us to go back to where we came from, as God says. We have to go back to where we came from. It is also extremely painful to the soul who witnesses it. The soul is still there and concerned about the body after death. We, that's I, the I, the me, my consciousness is still exists after death and is still aware of what's happening to the body. It's extremely painful to see our own bodies being destroyed. Furthermore, it doesn't give us a way that when, when a body is buried, that burial spot becomes the soul's connection to earth. The soul is able to connect to earth through that plot, through that spot on earth. It gives us a connection to earth and it gives us a connection to the people that we leave behind through that spot, that physical spot that we have on earth. That is our place. It also doesn't let family and loved ones come to visit their relatives. Because that's our connection on earth after we die, family, loved ones, friends can go to a grave and visit the relative and connect with them over there. If you don't bury, you don't have a place to do that. So destroying a body was a terrible thing. The Nazis and others did even worse, um, did even worse than killing us. Not only did they kill us, they destroyed our bodies as well. And so for us, that was a double tragedy. And so for those that were, it was a tragedy um, that our enemies did to us. But we have to be very careful to ensure, and I'm still going to get into practical. For those that are concerned about practical details, um, I'm going to get to that soon. Let me just give you the theoretical first, um, and then we'll get to the very practical. So um, the Nazis did that. We have to be very careful to ensure that anyone we can, that anyone and everyone should not their body should not be destroyed should be buried properly. Another important thing: burial, Jewish burial, must be in the ground. Burial above ground is against Jewish law. The Torah is very clear that the mitzvah is to bury in the ground. Burial in the ground is permanent. A mausoleum is not permanent. Travel around the world, go back to Europe, go to the Middle East, go to Israel. You will see Jewish cemeteries that are hundreds and hundreds of years old. Go to Israel, you see cemeteries that are thousands of years old. You go to Mount of Olives, um, 
Har HaManuchot, you go to Sfad. These are cemeteries that are thousands of years old. They're still there. They're still there. The mausoleum is not going to be around in a few hundred years. It, just won't, it doesn't last that long. Why do they have them? Your grave, your grave is your... I'm going to get to practical, sir. Let me get to deal with theoretical first. Your grave is your spot on earth where your soul connects to earth. You need real estate after you die. That is your real estate. You, in a mausoleum, you don't have any real estate. They're giving you a spot up in the air somewhere. You need to be very important. You need to be buried in the ground. Now, Jews have gone to great lengths to ensure they had a kosher burial. Jews that lived far away from Jewish communities would be asked that their body be taken to a Jewish community where they could have a kosher burial. Jews that were in the military would ask friends, Jewish friends or even non-Jewish friends, to promise them that they would ensure that they have a proper Jewish burial. Um, the greatest Jewish wish was for or the Hebrew term that we have was kever Yisrael, uh, burial in Israel. To have a proper Jewish burial it was the greatest wish. And um, when people would travel, they would always warn, if anything happens to me, make sure I be brought back for a Jewish burial. So it is very important that we all do whatever it takes for ourselves, for others, to make sure they are buried properly. Yes. So what is the ramification of not being able to do it? So for example, okay. if you have accident victims, everything is mixed up. You had a holocaust, everything is mixed up yeah. and not done properly. So what? The Neshuma still has to go up there. I mean, it's... The soul the, remains the soul and the soul will continue. The question is, what is the ramification the be in for those who either they didn't know or they did know and they chose otherwise or to no fault of their own by uh, due to in the, the Nazis destroyed their bodies... Um, it's extremely painful and it's very difficult for the family because the family has nowhere to go now. Um, they have no, they don't, they're missing that connection on earth. It's a, if you will, a double debt. I mean, that's the way we see it. Um, it's, it's much worse than just a, a death is bad. It's a double death. Um, the soul continues. The soul still goes on its journey just a lot more difficult. But the soul definitely goes on its journey regardless. And we believe that, that the soul will continue on its journey and will be resurrected regardless. Well, the soul, you, you express this as pain, obviously. We're not, you don't mean a physical pain, but a psychological pain of the soul of seeing this, but that's not going to be forever. You know, it's... Yes, the soul moves on. Yeah. Yes. So... So because of the great, let me just go through the process of burial. And I know some of you are concerned about the specifics and I'm going to soon get into the, at the end, I'm going to go into the very, I'm going to go into details and practical instructions. But let me first get to just in general how a few Jewish funeral is done. Because of the great holiness of the body, we treat the body with utmost respect. So at the moment of death, and firstly, this is not directly related to our topic, well, indirectly related to our topic, it is important to remember that we never hasten death. And so we never um, close someone's eyes before while they're still breathing or never do anything before about medical interventions as a subject of its own, but we never do anything to hasten death. And even when someone has died, we leave them for a few minutes before we touch them just to ensure that they're really, just to ensure that we don't cause any, we don't want to hasten death even by a moment. After death, after someone dies, we have to treat the body with great, the greatest respect. After death, we close the person's eyes. Most people die with their eyes open. Uh, we close the person's eyes and um, we cover them. And we make sure that they remain covered the entire time until burial, except when we're cleaning the body. We make sure they remain covered. Just like a Torah scroll, it's always covered. It's disrespectful for someone after death to be uncovered. And so therefore, we do not do viewings and um, we never have them uncovered. It's disrespectful for the individual to be uncovered at any time. Yes, Tom? You say we can't do anything to hasten death. Um, example, someone is in uh, on life support. So that the question of medical intervention and what we should do is beyond the scope of this class. It's a very important topic. It's beyond the scope of this class. We'll hopefully have another class on it than we've had in the class. Um, but I... Uh, here we're talking about someone dies naturally not to close their eyes before they've certainly, certainly died, not to touch anything before you've known they've died, just not to touch them 
um, at those moments. It's a very holy time, and I think we one, did a class on it some time ago, but we'll do another one. So, so, the, so the person must be treated with the utmost respect the entire time. So we never uncover them at any point, except when we're cleaning them, and that's done in private, not done in public at all. We, do, we don't have viewings, but we do have a custom that everyone goes over to the deceased, relatives, friends, whether before the funeral, during the funeral, goes over to the deceased to ask forgiveness if you harm them in any way, and to offer forgiveness if you have any grudges against them, they hurt you in any way, offer them forgiveness to free them up so they shouldn't have the pain of dealing with your grudge in the next world. Yes? Sorry? I'm going to get to the burial soon. I'm, I'm not there yet. Okay, so we dress the body in burial shrouds, um, white linen shrouds. In Judaism, we believe you cannot take anything with you. In Psalms, it says, um, you cannot take anything with you. All you take with you is your good deeds. That's all you can take with you to the next world. Everything you've accumulated in this world, nothing goes with you. So everyone is buried in plain white shrouds. Um, we do not embalm the body at all. Uh, we don't cut the body in any way. And I'm not going to deal with this in detail. Just very briefly, we try to avoid any autopsies. We try to cut the body in any way. We definitely do not donate our bodies to science. Donating organs is a little more complicated. Um, and I don't want to deal with that right now. But we try to avoid autopsies. Um, in, in Los Angeles, it could be a little bit difficult because um, most young people who don't die after a long illness are required. We, they require autopsies, um, the coroner's office. Um, the Jewish community here in Los Angeles has built a very good relationship over the years with the coroner's office. And they will, for Jewish funerals, they know we want to do the funeral very quickly. And so they will, they will do it. They will help us if, when we can't reach out to them. They will help us. And if they can, um, do it as soon as possible. And if possible, often the coroner does not actually need to do an autopsy. Um, they can do other testing and other things without actually cutting the body, which is a lot more respectful. And they know that here in Los Angeles, thankfully. And we work with them, to tr the Jewish community works with them um, to try to ensure that they treat the body with maximum respect. Um, we try... Do you want to ask something? Well, it, it relates back to... Um, I have just a question of when somebody actually dies. Inside, do that. Just, what's the window and say, like, that's Yes, yes. I didn't get into all the details. We open, we, we open all the windows um, in the room and we cover all the mirrors and pictures in the room. Is there also a prayer? Yes. These rituals that There's a prayer, but we do it by the funeral. These yes. rituals that you are uh, reciting now, uh, are those actually referenced in the Torah in The burial in the ground is referenced in the Torah. The burial shrouds is a Jewish custom that's been around for thousands of years. Custom, not directly. No, no. But the respect of the body is a very important theme. And that's the theme of it all. Not to cut up the body is a um, Jewish value. To respect the body. But yes? The, the, the specific reference is to the soul, and the soul understanding. That's in the Torah, yes. Oh, yes. Etc. That is directly in the Torah. Yes. What, are you going to talk about the casket? Yes. Are you supposed to be right yes. in the ground? Yes. Originally? Yes. So we never leave... We never leave the body alone, a Jew should always be in the room with the body. Um, and um, so because of that, what we do in old Jewish mortuaries, we have what we call a shomer, a guard, who actually sits with the body. Now, we believe that the soul is there and aware of everything going on and doesn't leave the body to go on to the next world until the body's properly taken care of. So while in the room, the soul is there in the room with you, but in a spiritual state. And so therefore, we have to... Be very careful in the, in the room. We do not talk at all in the room in front of the deceased. If you need to say anything, we go out of the room to say anything. We don't talk at all in the room in front of the deceased, except for eulogies that we're going to do and um, funeral details. But other than that, the same thing's also um, at the funeral itself, when the casket is there and visible, we do not speak at all, chat at all in front of a, the deceased. It's disrespectful. We also don't eat or drink at all um, in front of the deceased. And generally, the shomer, the guard, will sit and recite psalms the entire time. Now, one of our 613 commandments is to bury a body on the day of death 
or as soon as possible. This is part of our respect for the body. Uh, we want it before it starts decomposing. We want to bury it as soon as possible. Um, it's also difficult for the soul. The soul is waiting for the body to be taken care of. So we don't want the soul to have to wait longer than necessary. We try to hurry the funeral as much as possible. In Israel, they will do the funeral within hours, especially in the city of Jerusalem. They'll always, three, four hours, unless it's Shabbat, of whenever they die, any time of day or night, they will do the funeral. I was once, um, late one Thursday night, um, or one night, I was in Jerusalem, um, I think it was about 2 a.m., don't know, when I was in school, and um, we were on the street, and suddenly we saw the street filling with Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. A very famous rabbi, the Slanama Rebbe, had died, and they did the funeral at 2 a.m. They just do it. How people know about it um, is a good question. But they, um, they do, they'll do it immediately. Um, he, even here, um, we try to do the burial that day or the next day um, as soon as possible. We do not wait, unless, of course, it's Shabbat. Shabbat, we have to wait till after Shabbat. Or a Yom Tov or a holiday, we have to wait till after the holiday. The only exception, we tr- definitely we try not to wait more. The only exception we have is if family need to come in. If family need to come into the funeral or if we're going to transfer the body to do a funeral elsewhere, uh, only in that instance will we delay the funeral if family need to come in. And even then, we try not to delay it more than, th- than three days or 72 hours. Um, and so because we want, so we try to schedule the funeral, therefore, as soon as possible. Now, there is a Jewish custom to be buried in Israel. Jacob himself, in a few weeks forward, is going to be asked, he dies in Egypt, that he be buried in Israel. They transferred him to Israel to be buried. Um, Maimonides, who also died in Egypt about 800 years ago, is, was buried in Israel. Many other, when it was difficult to transfer bodies to Israel, many people that died within reasonable dis- distance of Israel would be transferred to be buried in the Holy Land. Um, that's the best place to end up. Um, and you want to come, when we come back, we want to come back in the Holy Land. Um, so it's still a custom today. You can buy a plot in Israel and have yourself transferred to Israel. Um, it's a little pricier uh, to do, but you can do it. Um, and uh, many people still do that today. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they, fly, they, do, they will fly you to Israel. Um, but for those doing it, we, um, you could also, of course, for those doing it in the community, you should try to do it as soon as, as, soon as you can. <coughs> Now, it's a mitzvah for everyone to... Sorry, so we, for, uh, because everything's very simple, after we do... So first, the first thing that we do is a... Um, the first thing that we do is a tahara. A tahara yes. is we clean the body and we wash the body before, um, before the funeral. And um, we, we then put the body in a mikveh, um, which is a ritual pool. Um, that we use for purity. We put the body in a mikveh um, before the burial. And then we put these special burial shrouds on the body and then um, cover the individual. And um, we then, in, if for men, we wrap them in a talus. The custom is to use, for men that had a talus during their lifetime, to use the talus that they wore during their lifetime. The family gives it to the mortuary who then wraps them in it. Um, outside of Israel, historically, we've always used wooden coffins that will decompose along with the body. Um, in, um, in, um, in Israel itself, they don't use a coffin at all. They just bury the body as is. The body is carried, covered by a talus or for a woman covered by a sheet on a, sh- on a stretcher. Um, to the f- at the funeral, and then the body itself is placed in the ground. Are they clothed or? They're clothed in shrouds and burial shrouds. Shrouds are linen clothing, li- white linen clothing. Everyone's clothed. clothed. No, they're clothed in shrouds, in special clothing. They're called shrouds. They're white garments, white linen garments. It's not a sheet. They're clothing. They're clothed in clothing. Yes, and then a sheet around. So, sorry. It's a long, like a long dress. There's four parts to it. There's there's a shirt, there's um, pants, there's a hat, and there's a belt. There's four parts to it. So, so it's a mitzvah to be involved 
It's a mitzvah to be involved in a burial. It's a great mitzvah to be involved. And in many ways, being involved in someone's burial is the greatest mitzvah. It's called chesed shel emet, true kindness. Because the deceased can never return the favor. And traditionally, in all Jewish communities, had what was called burial societies, volunteer burial societies, in every Jewish community. And the burial society was called Chevra Kadisha, which means the Holy Society. Every town, every city had a holy society of volunteers who would volunteer to pick up the body when after someone's death. Um, they would sit, have people sit with the body, uh, have do the Torah and prepare it for burial. There were volunteers that did that. They were called the Chevra Kadisha. Every community had them. Um, today in the United States, in some cities, there are volunteer Hevra Kaddishas. In Los Angeles, there isn't, but I'll soon tell you there is still a non-profit one that is um, not there for profit and does use some volunteers. Yes, Dan. Can I just backtrack? Um, I remember when my dad passed away, they had, I forget, like the small clay over his eyes. We put clay over their eyes, yeah. We put a little clay over the eyes. We put dirt over the eyes to remind you that everything that you see during your lifetime... Um, and you want and desire, you cannot take it with you. All you get to take with you is your good deeds. Um, there's also a custom to put um, dirt from the land of Israel um, that we put in as well. Yes, Matika? Um, I read once that they put pottery, the know, broken pottery. I don't know. I don't know. There may be various customs from in different communities, but I, I'm not familiar with it. Yes, Frank? I don't know about that. There may be varying customs in different communities, but I'm not aware of I'm not familiar with it. I'm not familiar with it. I don't mind. Okay, can the body be buried in No, because then you have no real estate. And you've got to go back to dirt. No, you've got to go back to dirt. You've got to have a set spot. So... So traditionally, all communities had these burial societies, and these communal volunteers would arrange for all the funeral details. And um, it was a great mitzvah to do, and it was, in many communities, it was an honor. You couldn't just get into the burial society. You kind of had to earn your way in. Only kind of the um, recognized people in the community that were known for doing a lot of good would be invited to join the Hebra Kaddish. It was, it was a hard group to even get into. So, um, it, and it, now it's, 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 cause it's such a great mitzvah to do. It's also a mitzvah for everyone to go to the funeral. It's a mitzvah, nobody should ever be buried alone. Um, and we don't go for ourselves. We don't go to the funeral for the family. We go to the funeral to accompany the deceased on their last journey. We believe they're aware of us there. They know that we're there. We go for them. And they'll never be able to acknowledge it. They'll never pay us back. We go for them. That's why it's not the same going to a shiva, going to a memorial, going to the funeral. You go for the deceased. And it's a great mitzvah. It's a mitzvah called Havayat um, Hamed, accompanying the dead. It's a mitzvah to accompany a dead um, on a funeral. In, the, in villages, when we lived in smaller communities, the entire village would shut down. All the stores would shut down during a funeral. Everybody would go to the funeral so when there was a funeral. The even if you didn't know the person, everybody would go. To, it was a sign of respect. Um, um, I've got to back up just a tiny bit to the spiritual again. If the soul is clinging to a connection through the brain, why are we sitting shiva at home? So the soul isn't limited in space anymore. And the soul has the connection to the grave is its permanent connection. The soul, the soul still has a connection with the house as well. It has a connection with both. Gradually, over Shiva and Shlosha, it moves away from the house. Um, the, in the words of, I think, the um, Midrash, it goes back and forth between the house and the grave. But it could be in two places at once because it's not a thing, it's not a physical thing. It's also a great mitzvah. Yes, it's always a great mitzvah. So at the beginning of the funeral, um, we eulogize the deceased. It's a mitzvah to speak about the deceased, about the good that they've done. Um, although there are days um, on 
special days in Jewish, the Jewish calendar that we do not do eulogies. But we eulogize the deceased, we speak of their good deeds um, because we want to speak positively of them before their soul ascends to God. Uh, we do not, there's a non-Jewish custom to bring flowers um, to a funeral. It is not a Jewish custom. It never was a Jewish custom. Uh, we do not bring flowers to the Jewish, to a funeral. You cannot take flowers or throw them in the grave. You cannot take flowers with you. All you take with you is your good deeds. So in Jewish life, someone brings flowers to a funeral of your loved ones. Be nice to them. Take it. Um, but uh, we don't, definitely don't throw it in the grave. And it's not a, the flowers is not a Jewish. Is it because they die? That's why we put stones. They don't die. I don't think that's the reason, but it's a good answer. Rabbi? <laughs> yes? What about when you're visiting the grave? I'm going to get that. So we bury the person in a very simple box, in a simple casket. Um, nothing fancy, no ornaments. We make it very simple because you don't get to take anything with you. It should be a simple wood box here in California. Um, we use oak. I think on the East Coast they use um, pine. Um, just that's the, the cheapest wood that's available. And um, something that's going to decompose, the body's going to decompose in it. We fill in the grave to give them a permanent resting place this then is their place. We fill in dirt. They're supposed to return to dirt. We fill in dirt on top of the grave. Um, now there are, here in California, we have a little bit of a problem with burial, which is that um, the, because it doesn't rain very often, and when it rains, it rains a lot, uh, which causes a lot of problems, such as the oil on the streets and all the other problems that we have. It also causes um, graves to shift, and it also can cause graves to rise to the top. In, if, in, a in a flood. And so because of that, many cemeteries require um, the bodies be buried in, um, in crypts or in these um, boxes, in these liners. Um, and so the problem is that they're not, the body then doesn't return to dirt. So what we do is we fill those things themselves with dirt. So the body is still within dirt. Um, in some cemeteries, um, it doesn't have a bottom at all. It just has a top um, and a side, so it could. So you're, the body's still sitting on Earth as well, so you don't have that problem. What about a place like Malibu where there were fires? What about if there's a cemetery that gets caught on fire? Well, cemetery won't catch on fire unless there's trees. I, I don't know. I've, I don't know wow. such a thing. But so anyway, they're under Earth, so it shouldn't impact them. Rabbi, if you're if you're allowing the uh, the casket to be self-executing, as it were, filling it with earth then you're taking away the distinction of the casket being on the, on the It's ground not ideal. To, to, uh, to a mausoleum. You could put dirt in there. It's in still the in the ground. Um, <laughs> it's not, again, the, it's not ideal, these liners. Um, they're, not, they're not ideal. Um, the ideal, the ones that don't have bottoms would be the best. Uh, that's what the Kedishi uses in their cemeteries. Um, and um, depending on the cemetery, some cemeteries use those. If you're those in a place like, like New Orleans, don't you have to do something unusual because... I don't know. I don't know. Yes. I don't know what they do in New Orleans. I know what they do over here. So, um, you know, when I buried my mother, I had to pay an extra $400 to have holes in the bottom of the liner. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me, let me, let me, let me continue. So we then fill the grave. This is now the per person's permanent resting place. Jewish custom is to place a tombstone um, on top. In Hebrew, we call it a matzeva. Um, which means a tombstone, and sometimes also called a nefesh, a soul, um, as an external sign of the person who's underneath. That is then our connection with the individual. We're never going to see the person again. We'll never see their body again, but we will see the tombstone. That's what we're going to see. That is the sign of that individual. It's a mitzvah to place a tombstone on a grave. There is a myth out there. There's a lot of Jewish myths, um, but there's a myth that for some reason that you have to wait a year to put the tombstone on. It is incorrect. There is no need to wait a year. Jewish custom is to put the tombstone on as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Um, the only delay that you have is the amount of time it takes for them to make the tombstone. As soon as, as soon as possible, in many places, they'll put it at the end of the shiva. They'll put up the tombstone right then there at the end of the shiva. So what is the unveiling? Unveiling is when you put up the tombstone. So you can have it in that room right now. I don't hear it. I've always been in a month. 
I don't think it'll be a year. Sorry? No, he said the embedding never happens in a month. As soon as possible is ideal. Okay, let me continue. I'm sorry. Let me, let me continue. Now, the soul retains a connection to that spot. Family and friends can come there and talk to them and should. We have a custom that the immediate family doesn't go to the grave for the first year in order to give the soul time to move on to its next place. But the soul retains so that they, don't, they only go to the unveiling and other than that never visit the grave. That's a custom um, uh, in many Jewish communities just for the immediate family, not for others. But after the first year, um, it is definitely a custom to go back to our loved ones. We always have. It's a custom to go back on the yard site, on the anniversary of death. It's a custom to go back before Rosh Hashanah. It's a custom to go before every major life milestone. People go before their bar mitzvahs, before their weddings, before every, any other major mi- milestone in life to go visit their ancestors, their grandparents, uh, whoever it may be that is where, where they're buried. And uh, I personally, my grandparents are buried in, um, in New York. And when I go back to New York, um, I go to their graves, go to visit and brought my children there. It's an important thing. It's important to keep that connection with our pre- the previous generations. And we do that by going back to the grave. Jews visit their grandparents' grave and their parents' graves. When we go, where Jewish custom is to leave a stone on the grave to mark that we were there, to mark that we had visited. So now I know I'm running out of time. I want to get to some very practical information right now. Um, I've lost Facebook, but this is still, this is very important. Um, Bear with me. I'm going to try to run through it. I'll take questions at the end. It's very important that everyone plan and ideally pay for your burial in advance. It's really important. It's very hard. I can tell you this from experience. It is very hard to make an arrangement for the children or family to make arrangements while grieving and while under pressure and they get taken advantage of. And Jewish traditions tell us that planning your burial lead to long life. If you plan your burial in advance, you will live long. So plan your burial. It is very important. There's no minimum age that you can do it. Plan your burial. It's a very good thing. Firstly, I want to say... If someone here has a loved one who is not buried in accordance with Jewish law, do not worry. There is no value in regretting our past. Do not be concerned. Do not be concerned about what happened in the past. Um, Whatever happened has happened. Our role in Judaism is always to try to do the best going forward. And if you, someone, either ourselves or a loved one's made a mistake in the past, do not worry about it, and that should not restrict you from, or that should not make you make the same mistake again. Just because you've made that mistake before, don't do it again. Do it right next time. Don't worry about past mistakes. God forgives. God, has, it, God is very forgiving, and God makes sure that we get past our mistakes, but let's try to do it right going forward. Um, if you have not yet made plans, I urge you to do so, and I would be glad to help anybody who would like. If you have made plans, but they are not in accordance with Jewish traditions, I urge you to change them. Um, and I urge you, even if you've paid money for them, there's ways of getting out of it or reselling things that you've purchased. Um, putting it towards something else. I really urge you to do so. I'd be glad to help if the cemetery or mortuary is not cooperative. Speak to me. I'll get them to be cooperative. Does it need to be a Jewish cemetery? Would you get them to bring the price down? <laughs> so make sure, make sure that your will and your health directors, if you haven't written a will, please do so. When you write your will, please... Keep us in mind. Very important. Um, no, really, because um, this, is not, this is not related to our topic. But since we're discussing this, I just want to bring this up very quickly. Um, very often, many of us would love to help out. The community would love to, you know, JC has huge um, expenses here. And everyone is very well aware of the cost that it costs to keep this place up and keep it growing. And um, most of us would love to give much more. And I'm sure everybody here would love to give much more. Um, We can all have that ability to give much more if we give a percent of our estate to the JCC after we're gone. Um, While we don't want to take that away because we want to make sure now, because we want to make sure that we'll have enough to keep us going for the rest of our lives, 
uh, which is understandable and um, fully understandable. There's no reason why we can't leave at least some of what we have left over um, and a significant percentage over to the community that we've been part of during our lifetime. So I would encourage you to do so um, as a side note. But back to our topic, fix your will, make sure it's clear, and your health directives, make sure it's clear that you want to be buried um, in accordance with Jewish traditions. So now, to be in a, in a Jewish cemetery? I would encourage you to be in a Jewish cemetery. So what Judaism... What about advanced directives? That's an excellent question. We brought up briefly earlier when we're going to talk about it in another class. It's a very important, it's a very important subject, but in another class. So Judaism believes that following the will of the deceased is, very, is crucial. We always follow the requests of the deceased regarding funeral, regarding burial, regarding how their estate should be managed. We always follow the will of the deceased except when it is against Jewish law. If somebody asks to be cremated, we do... I would encourage the children afterwards to ignore their wishes because their wishes are against Jewish law. And I believe, I sincerely believe, that once they are, have continued on to the next world and the world of truth, they immediately recognize their error and wish for us to correct it. And I, so I would definitely encourage, it's the one thing, we always listen to the deceased, but not when they ask us to do something that they now recognize to be wrong. So I would encourage everybody to get a, for, have your funeral, both your mortuary arrangements and your, and your burial plot already set up. In Los Angeles, and some of you already mentioned this, in Los Angeles we have a problem here. And I know I'm public, I'm on Facebook, um, I'm going public saying this. It needs to be said, it needs to be stressed, Los Angeles has a unique problem with our community mortuaries and our cemeteries. They're all officially nonprofits. They are all businesses. They're all running as businesses, and they are all very aggressive businesses. And I have seen this time and again with multiple, particularly cemeteries in this community, um, that take advantage of um, families after death that are grieving and um, sell things that are against Jewish law, Jewish cemeteries and Jewish mortuaries, um, offering services that are contrary to Jewish law and are and do not are, are that, that should not be sold and offered by Jewish cemeteries whatsoever. And they also go to great lengths to try to convince people to break Jewish law. Um, and they rip them off too to top it all off. So it's a very big concern. So firstly I don't generally advocate for specific um, businesses or organizations. Um, people ask me about different organizations. I try to avoid advocating, but there's, a, there's an organization here, the Hevra Kadisha, here in Los Angeles. Um, it's a nonprofit. It's run by a fellow who I've gotten to know very well over the years, Yossi Mamila, and um, he's a um, very dear individual who only, they're not running a business, they only want to help every Jew get a proper Jewish burial. And I would strongly encourage you, if you haven't yet made mortuary arrangements, to reach out to them. They only do things in accordance with Jewish law. I could give you the number for those who want to write it down now. It's 323. I'll give you the number in a moment. They only do proper Jewish arrangements. They do everything properly. They'll go to great lengths to... Um, when, there's a, when there's conflict in the family over what to do, they'll go to great lengths to try to figure everything out and try to make everybody happy and try to make everything in accordance with Jewish traditions with the greatest, utmost respect. And I would really encourage you to go there. They're not making any money off this. I don't get any commission. Just from experience... Mm -hmm. yes. I, I, I usually, when my mom died, and she was getting married back in Beth David, in New York, and they made all the arrangements with the air, airplane ship and that we couldn't be there to sign Oh, they have them in New York too? No, they had arrangements. The plane was picked up in New York. They were fantastic. It was taken to another facility there. The school opens on Sunday. So we flew out my wife on uh, Island Friday, but we couldn't... So let, me, let me continue. So the number for those that are ready is 323-654-8415 and it's called Hevra Kadisha or as we spell in English, Chevra Kadisha. Um, how the CH became a ch is a story for itself. 8415. Now, if you have another mortuary and all the cemeteries serve double as mortuaries, and often the cemeteries will do, will do 
Often cemeteries will do mortuary services for other cemeteries. Um, if you have other mortuaries, that's fine. Just be careful. Make sure you instruct them to do everything in accordance with Jewish law. Unfortunately, the other cemeteries and mortuary, Jewish mortuaries in this town will not do things in accordance with Jewish law unless you specifically ask them to, and then often they will try to talk you out of it. <laughs> often they're not even Jewish, the people that you're talking to, and they try to talk you out of it. So make sure that they've committed to do things in Jewish law. Accordance with Jewish law. Now, there is no, now, when it comes to a burial plot, I encourage everybody to purchase a burial plot now and a burial plot in the ground. There is no reason to break the bank for a burial plot. You want to have real estate, but it doesn't need to be prime real estate. It really doesn't. It's not going to matter anymore, right? You want to, we believe the soul needs a place on earth that it can be, but we don't need it to, it doesn't need to be, um, it doesn't need to be uh, to break the bank. There's really no reason for that. Um, someone just told me Hillside now charges $30,000 for a plot. Um, there's no need, in my opinion, to go there. And I've had bad experience with them. Um, there are other options. There are other options. Um, there's... Um, there, there's one, there's a cemetery in Burbank. Um, there's, firstly, Green Hills over here has a Jewish section up, on, uh, up in Palos Verdes. Um, the, the best options I would suggest to you is to either go, this is a much further away, um, in Simi Valley um, is the, most, the largest Jewish cemetery today and the most used Jewish cemetery today is up in Simi Valley, Mount Sinai up there, uh, not the closer one. Over there, a uh, plot goes for $8,000, plus opening and closing is about another 3000 but it will end up being a lot cheaper than going to other places. That's Mount Sinai? Mount Sinai, there's two Mount Sinai. There's one in Burbank, there's one in Simi Valley. The Burbank one's almost full and it's pretty pricey, um, but the one in Simi Valley is the one that's most used. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I addressed that a moment ago. The mausoleums above ground are forbidden. Underground is fine. Underground, as long as you're in the ground, that's fine. So the let me just mention the Hebra Kadisha, um, the Hebra Kadisha themselves. They have plots in a place. It's it's not in a great area. It's East LA, but it's a cemetery. Um, it's called Home of of Peace. <laughs> They sell plots for $5,000 with another $1,800 for opening and closing. For the whole thing with the Hevra Kadisha, you will get a, um, you will get the mortuary, the funeral, the burial, everything for just over $10,000. If you haven't yet made arrangements, I encourage you to do that. There's no reason to waste money beyond that. Um, and you'll get the greatest respect and be treated properly. I really encourage you to do that. Call the Hevra Kadisha. They will take care of everything for you. Um, they'll take care of everything for you. You can, they'll allow you to pay it out over a decade or longer. You can make any payment, payment plan you want with them. You pay $85 a month per person. You'll pay it out all over a decade. Um, it's fairly cheap in that way and easy to do. And everything will then be done properly. For those who cannot afford a funeral after the fact, not in advance, but they, they don't sell them in advance. But for those who cannot afford a funeral or cannot afford a um, grave, before, just first, I often get, people often tell me they're going to cremate their parents or their family because it's too expensive, right. a funeral. The funeral is, um, if you do it in this basic way without going, without having a plot overlooking the 405 um, or the 101 um, without, I don't know what extra advantage there is to that. Um, so without having, without any fancy things, a basic Jewish funeral, that's all you need, does not have to break the bank, is not much more expensive than cremation. It really isn't. Um, and um, I want to say further that there are the Hevra Kadisha and other organizations in Los Angeles are dedicated to ensure that every Jew is buried in accordance with Jewish law. And no matter who it is, they will do it for whatever price you give them. Whatever amount you could give them, they will do it. I just want to share one story. Someone in this community um, whom they called me, they hadn't made arrangements. Their father died. He was older, but he died suddenly. 
and I came to, they wanted to do, they, I came to their house and they said they want to do a cremation. Why? It's too expensive to do a funeral. It's too complicated. They don't want to do it. I said, how much is the cremation? They told me $5,000. I said, done. I'm doing a funeral for you tomorrow. $5,000. And I called um, Yassi from the Hevra Kadisha, Yassi Manila, and he arranged everything for me. We did a burial. We did everything, the, the mortuary, the burial, everything for $5,000, all taken care of. And, I, and they were so grateful afterwards. They came to me a few weeks later. They said, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'd like to do the same for my mother as well. I said, well, you want to do the same for your mother if you could afford it, which I knew they could. I said, if you could afford it, I'm not giving you it. They're not going to give you any further discounts. They'll charge you full price. And indeed, he paid in advance full price for his mother. And um, his mother passed away a few years later and had the same proper kosher Jewish funeral. So don't, don't worry about the price. Don't worry about the details. It's all can be taken care of very simply. You go to these big funeral homes that are businesses and trying to make money, they're going to tell you, ask you, do you want this kind of casket or that kind of casket and give you a whole selection and then they give you a whole, what kind of flowers do you want? And I've heard so many times, you're not going to have flowers by your funeral. Um, no. And they, they try to upsell you and upsell you and upsell you and it's complicated and so many choices and so many details. Call the Hevra Kadisha. It's all taken care of, beginning to end. No options. No possible. It's just a basic funeral. That's all you need. And I really encourage you, do it properly for yourselves, for your loved ones. Now is the time to take care of it. Just to conclude such a morbid topic on a positive, um, on a positive end, on a positive note, we always, we always have to remember that we believe that death is not forever. We believe that the dead will come back. We mentioned this at the funeral, that we believe all the dead will eventually come back. Um, will come, God will recreate the body whether buried or not they will all come back to life and we believe that at that time death will end and we will no longer we will then all become immortal we will all then get to live forever um, in the verse in Isaiah it says Bilah death will be destroyed forever Amen. so I know you all have a lot of questions I'm going to stick around a little bit for your questions first benching uh, first benching yes Just a few quick points. Firstly, thank you, Eric, again for sponsoring our breakfast this morning. Um, next week, we are going to talk about um, the Jewish view on taxes. So anyone who wants to know what Judaism says on taxes, it's going to be next week's topic. Um, again, just a few quick, few very quick, few very quick points, just quickly. Give me a moment. A few very quick points. Firstly, um, the yard signs. Please take the yard signs for our big Hanukkah event to put it in your front yard. Um, we'd greatly appreciate that. It help us get the word out about our big Hanukkah event in three weeks from today. Um, and just um, another, one more quick point. Um, Firstly, for those that you, I hope you've all learned by now that the front entrance is closed Sunday morning. You have to go through the back, through the parking lot, through the entrance on Nelson. Um, we're doing that for security on Sunday mornings. So the front entrance will be closed. Please keep it closed on Sunday mornings as well. Um, and then one final point. We're having, we do, peri uh, periodically we do Shabbat dinners for the community. We're having a Shabbat dinner a week from this Friday on um, November 30th, we have Rabbi Chaim Miller, who is the author of the, or the translator of that brown chumash that we use in the synagogue. Um, he's going to be, he, he's coming to speak for us. So I encourage you all to join us. And I wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. See you all next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
earlier about the custom of putting dirt, throwing dirt onto the, the uh, casket. Yes, we cover that, the casket with dirt. Is that a true Jewish custom? Yes, the, the casket must go back, the body must go back to dirt. So he must be covered in dirt. Well, he's going to be covered with dirt anyhow. Yet the oh, why don't we do it ourselves? Huh? Why do we do it ourselves? Because it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to do to take care of the dead, right? You're gonna. This is your loved one. This is your last moments with them. This is the last thing you're gonna do for them, and you call in the tractor to do it. Okay. My father did not like that tradition. What? Yet he was a gardener who grew lots of things. So we got leaves.